0: Guys, good. Five of you. We'll just talk to the ones that are doing good. Then, <laughs> come on. Are you guys doing right today? Good, good. Hey, how about those Cabot Panthers? Come on now. Woo! Going to the ship, y'all. Come on. Uh, that both the ladies and the guys. Great season. Of course, we got we got one more game. One more game. I think the guys can pull it out though. I'm excited about them. How many of you guys though? Are thankful for the Word of God? Come on now. If you guys are thankful, for the Word of God. It's been good, you're the Bible, uh, uh, getting into that, it's been awesome. Uh, I would, I, before we get to what I want to share today, I, I want to encourage all the men, if you're a man in the house, raise your hand. See, I got you there, because if you don't raise your hand, then you're a dude, then you know, okay, okay. Uh, man, we got an event coming up Tuesday night, Tuesday night, uh, and we'll give you more details on it, but uh, I encourage you to show up early, 6 o'clock, uh, this is when we're going to have food and entertainment, the entertainment being... Me and the other campus pastors dressed up in sumo suits, wrestling each other. So you're welcome. Uh, I am in some strict training for that. I'm going for blood, y'all. I don't. I'm just. I'm gonna find a way. I'm gonna hurt them. I will hurt them. Uh, and it's gonna be good. But we got Michael Jr. coming in from Gateway Church. He's an awesome, awesome comedian. But he is a man of God. Knows how to bring the word. It's gonna be a great time. So. Fellas, make sure you get out for that. Ladies, make sure your men get out to the men's event Tuesday night. It's going to be good. Let's get right into this scripture. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, everybody say vision. Vision. The people perish. You have to have vision if you're going to make it in life. You have to have a dream. In this particular context in the Hebrew, this word vision is the word hazom. Zone, and in the literal translation of that word is dream. If you want to make it in life, if you want to be successful, if you want to achieve everything that God has for you, you've got to find out and figure out what His dream and what His vision for you is. Otherwise, you're just going to drift around. You're not going to have purpose, you're not going to have direction. Uh, and the people that don't have purpose and don't have direction, uh, they wind up seeing a lot of things perish in their lives. Now, all of us have probably had something perish. In our lives, all right. Uh, we had a, a baby shower at our house yesterday, and while we were there, we were, I was talking to our kids' pastor, one of our kids' pastors, uh, Stephanie Pack. Packham. You guys are thankful for our children's ministry. Come on, now, they do a great job. But uh, Stephanie was telling, and, I've, and I misquoted this the first couple services. And she is telling me that she knows of thirty babies that are going to be born between now and July between now and July, which brings up the next point that I'm going to have a series starting on birth control, because obviously y'all don't know how that works, so we got to help you out, but the, we got a lot of young families around our church, a lot of young families, a lot of young kids, and so so I'm going to help you out for all the young families having kids and all that kind of stuff, and one thing you got to have a lot of when you have little kids is sippy cups, you got to have a bunch of them, you got to have just hundreds and hundreds of them, because they come and go, you lose them, they're all over the place, but... If you've ever had little kids, you probably at one point or another gave them a sippy cup of milk, right? A little sippy cup of milk. Nothing like just some fresh milk in a sippy cup for your kid. They love that. But some of you, you might have given a sippy cup of milk to your kid in the car. and You know where I'm going with this. But you gave that sippy cup of milk to that kid, and they loved it. Half of it. And then they lost it. So now that sippy cup is gone. Somewhere in the car, in the abyss that is the minivan. And you don't know where. And then you find it. Two weeks later. In August. Just let me give you some advice. Don't open the sippy cup. Don't open it. Don't open it. It's perished. It's gone. Just throw it away. Start all over again because... You do not want to open that sippy cup. And if your spouse asks you, where are all the sippy cups going? What has happened to all of them? You just tell them, they perished. (laughs) They're gone. It doesn't matter how good something is inside of us or in something else. If it's not used to its purpose, eventually it will grow stagnant. Eventually, something that has been given to you, that God has given to you, if you do not move with it, if you do not have purpose behind it, if it stays stagnant, it'll stink, and, it, it'll, and eventually it'll lead to things in your life perishing. It's so important that you have a dream and that you have vision for your life. You have people around you. Everybody got your people, right? Your people, people. Kids got people. Not always happy about your kids' people, but everybody's got people. And if your people are having issues in their life, the issue is not behavior modification. The issue is Jesus needs to clean their heart and give them his vision. Because without that, it doesn't matter who you are, things in your life will begin to perish without vision, without a dream. Today we're going to talk about the story of blind Bartimaeus. So some context of scripture, Old Testament in our reading plan, uh, we finish up Leviticus, praise Jesus almighty, thank you God. Okay, and we're into numbers, which is only slightly better, but just a little bit less awkward, private information in numbers, Uh, but we're going through numbers. In the New Testament though, we're in the book of Mark, and that's been good. Right now, we're picking up where Jesus is basically in his final week of ministry. Uh, he knows what's coming, he's going to be heading into Jerusalem, he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be arrested, beaten, scourged, crucified, the whole deal. So he's got all that on his mind. But there's huge crowds of people following him because of all the signs and wonders, because of how God the Father is pouring through Jesus, loving on people. Incredible ministry, but as they're coming up to Jerusalem, they pass through Jericho. It's just outside of Jerusalem, and as they get through Jericho, they come to the city gates where this blind man, Bartimaeus is there waiting on him with a lot of other blind people. At this point in history, any person that had any kind of disease or disability or anything like that, they would all just kind of group up near these city entrances. In fact, if you go to the Middle East, even now, go to some of these cities, there are still people that are blind or that have disabilities that are begging, they're sitting there at these city entrances, hoping that somebody will show them some mercy. And that's where this guy is. In today's culture, a person that cannot see could still make a great living. They could be very successful, primarily because of technology. We have CNI dogs. We have uh, Braille on everything, on crosswalks, on elevators. You have audible books where they can listen. They have computers that will work with people that are, are visually impaired. They have technology. At that point, though, they're the lowest of society. No hope whatsoever. All they could do is just hold out a cup and beg that people would give them just enough to get them through the day. And there was never any guarantee that what they were going to put in the cup is what you wanted or needed. That's where blind Bartimaeus is at this point. In Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray together real quick. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and everything you've been doing in all the services. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. And thank you for moving and touching our lives. Thank you for being the great counselor and helper. And uh, we just invite you to continue to have your way. I know every person is at a different point in understanding your, your dream and your vision for their life. And what you want to do in them and through them. And I thank you that you meet us where we're at. I just pray that we'll be open to it. Our hearts would be open. Speak to us through this scripture. Speak to us through your word. We thank you for helping us with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Helen Keller, a lot of you guys probably heard that name before, pretty famous person. She was born blind and deaf. At one point, she was asked this question, isn't it a great tragedy be blind she had this famous response it's greater it's a greater tragedy to have eyes and not see And i think there's where a lot of people can find themselves they can see physically but they have no real sight and real, no real vision for their life and so they just exist and if you don't have vision for where you're going you're not going to have vision for your marriage you're not going to have vision for, hello, for your kids. You're not going to have vision for your finances. You're not going to have vision for your health. You won't have vision for much of anything. You won't have vision for the ministry that God would want to do through you. You'll just wind up kind of coexisting with humans without vision. Every miracle that Jesus did, it did. he did it to teach us something. With every miracle, there was a lesson that came with it, and there, and that's, True with this miracle as well. There's a really cool lesson to learn within this. So let's see what we can learn. The first point is this. I I should believe Jesus can change my situation and my life. I should believe that Jesus can change my situation and my life. Really everything starts with a step of hope. It's you believing. It's you hoping. If you want anything to change in the next five years and be different than the previous five years, you're going to have to step out in some hope. And hope is just believing that Jesus can change your situation. That's what it is. So let's go back to verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and the disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. So I want you to kind of imagine this scene. There's, there's blind Bartimaeus there, but there's a lot of probably other blind people that are there, other people with, with different disabilities. At that point, this culture didn't know what to do with all these people, so they just kind of put them together and, and let them beg and let them try to get mercy from somebody to help them. And it's the same thing every day, a little bit of temporary relief, hoping somebody would just give them a little something-something to get into the next day, but that's it. He had probably settled a long time ago that nothing was ever going to change in his life. This was it. If he was going to live, if he was going to survive, this is the only way that he was going to be able to do it. The only possession that he had was this cloak, this coat. They would protect him maybe a little bit from the elements, give him a little bit of comfort in a very uncomfortable world that he's living in, and that's all that he has. When Bartimaeus got up that morning, he probably didn't think that anything was going to change about that day than any other day that he had lived. There's no way that he had prepared himself for Jesus coming because he didn't know that Jesus was coming. So when Jesus came, he had to make a decision. The decision was, I can stay where I'm at and I can stay kind of comfortable and I can stay in this miserable, depressing, discouraging situation or I can seize an opportunity. I can step out and I can go after what God has for me. And too often I think that, that God wants to present an opportunity and something big in your life, but you put it off. And you say, well, I'll do that next week. I'll do that next month or next year or even tomorrow. And one of the things I've learned is you have got to seize it today. If God is moving in your life, don't wait. Don't put off till tomorrow. You've got to do it today. But I think there's one reason why we don't do this. It's one word, procrastination procrastination. How many of you guys ever procrastinate ever? Any of you ever procrastinate? The real procrastinators are going to raise their hand in like 30 minutes. <laughs> Cuz that's what they do. They procrastinate on everything. Well, the Bible tells us over and over again not to presume too much on tomorrow. Cuz we're not guaranteed it. This is cool in the message translation in Luke 9:62. No procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day, you're not even guaranteed you're going to be alive tomorrow. You're, you're not, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. At one point or another, hope has got to rise up inside of you, and you've got to go after the things that God has for you. It says that he threw off his coat. His coat kind of represents the thing that he uses a coping mechanism in his life. Like as long as he has that, he just, just kind of stay in that place. Stay where it's just, it's somewhat comfortable. What are you using to cope with? What is in your life that is keeping you from stepping up and seizing the opportunity and letting a hope rise up so you can experience God's dream for you? Sometimes the very things that make you comfortable are the very things that are keeping you from being free. You have to identify those things. Look, as a pastor, I'll meet with people and I'll plead with people, look, if if you'll do this, It's going to change your life. You're going to experience freedom. Please, if you'll do this, if you'll step up, and and I hear the same response in so many cases, I'm just not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with praying out loud with my spouse. I'm not comfortable with being in a life group. I'm not comfortable serving. I'm not comfortable with those types of things. And Bartimaeus made the decision he was going to throw off what made him comfortable and grab a hold of what would set him free. And that was Jesus. And every real cry for God to help is always going to start in a place of desperation and surrender. It's going to start in a place where you finally, humbly admit, I am utterly helpless without Jesus. Jesus, I need you. You've got to step up. And it's a great place to be. It's a great place to be When a job, a friend, a stock market, the government, or anything else, it's a great place to be when none of those things are cutting it. Because it's in that place that you have an opportunity to finally put your hope in Christ alone. And it's only in that place that you find real hope. Nothing else is going to bring it. No relationship will do it. No amount of money will do it. Only Jesus is going to bring that hope. Amen? Amen. Y'all out there, is this all right? You okay? Okay. All right. Number two, I must no longer hear the negative voices. I must no longer hear the negative voices. Anybody ever been told you couldn't do something? Yeah? And maybe you are told you couldn't do it because they didn't believe that you could add up to do it. Like you didn't have what it took. I remember early on when I started answering the call to go into full-time ministry, I had a pastor tell me, not just the pastor, my pastor tell me, James, if you ever want to be in full-time ministry, you got to go to this specific school. He named a school. And it was a lot of money. And there was, it just didn't seem any way, I didn't have a scholarship there, but he just basically said, he knew my background, he knew I came from a broken home. He was essentially just saying, James, I don't think you're all that bright, and if you really want to be in full-time ministry, you're going gonna to have, have to go get educated, because otherwise... You're not gonna make it. How many of you love it when God makes people look like a fool that are like that? Every once in a while, God just shows up and he makes the people that put God in a box and put people in a category and says, you know what, I like getting glory. And when the way I get glory best is when I use improbable people to do my perfect will. I love it when God shows up and just says, you know what, the world says they're not qualified. The world says they don't have what it takes, but I can use anybody who is willing, teachable, and obedient. And that's what God is doing with you. And that's what he wants to do inside of you. But you gotta block out the negative voices if you're gonna hear what he's trying to say to you. Because people are gonna say, man, you gotta be kidding. Man, you can't do that. It's a pipe dream. You're never gonna be able to achieve that. That's just, that's ridiculous. I call them dream snatchers. So come along and try to just put you in a spot where you're, oh, well, I guess I can't. I guess that's it. I guess I'll just settle. I guess I'll just do something that is less. I guess I can't pursue God's dream. I'll just have to do something else. The fact of the matter is this. We all stay blind when we listen to the world. You will stay in a place where you are blind as long as you are listening to the world. I guess it's fair to say, honestly, that the voice that you listen to will become the God you serve. Whatever is directing your life, whoever's opinion is directing your life, whatever is determining the course, that's, ul- that's ultimately who your God really is. That's who your God is. At one point or another, you're going to have to block out the negativity. What is the crowd doing as soon as Bartimaeus starts speaking up? They're just like, hey, be quiet. Stop it. Bartimaeus, Jesus is a big deal. You're not. We're all walking. You can't walk with us, so you just need to be quiet. Some translations say they actually told him to shut up. Shut up, Bartimaeus. We don't say that in our home. Come on now. If you got little kids, but they're telling him just be quiet. You're crazy. Leave Jesus alone. Verse 48, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Look, I wish I could yell as loud and as passionately right now as I know that this dude was yelling. Because he's just like, Jesus! I'm desperate! Hey! And there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of crowd and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of people telling him to be quiet. And he's just like, nothing is going to stop me right now. Nothing is going to keep me quiet. And I've got to drown out the noise. At one point or another, you're going to have to drown out the noise of your culture, of your schedule, of, of every other person's opinion, so that you can hear the voice of God, so that you can hear him speaking. You've got to quiet the negative voices in your life. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of human opinion disables. As long as you live in a place where you're more worried about what other people are thinking and saying, You're gonna miss out on the call of God for your life. You're gonna miss out on what He has for you, the fullness of it in your life. And let me give you a little hint. You don't need to worry what people are thinking about you because guess what? They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. (laughs) Too many of us, including myself, we waste way too much time worrying about what other people are thinking about us. Guess what? They're not thinking about us at all. They're thinking about themselves. That's what the crowd's doing. The crowd is worried about themselves. They don't like that Bartimaeus is making all this noise. Why? Because it's going to take the attention from Jesus onto him instead of them. They're selfish. That's why they don't like it. At one point or another, you're going to have to silence the negative voices and you're going to have to get desperate for the voice of God. And when you do, please, number three, please listen to the call of God. Please listen to the call of God. Okay, and I just, I want to be as as sincere as I can possibly be right now. And I don't want to be preachy. The only difference between teaching and preaching is volume. And I don't want to yell and scream this, but I want you to hear it from my heart. For every person can hear my voice right now. The body of Christ needs you. The body of Christ needs you. The kingdom of God needs you. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how jacked up your past is. It doesn't even matter how jacked up you are right now. We need you. As a church, we need you. We need you. But what we need is what's in you. It's that dream. It's that vision. And you won't see it if you don't answer the call. So I'm just asking you, it's going to look different for every person. Every person has a different place, a different piece that they fit into the puzzle. But whatever it is, when you know that God is beginning to call you, please answer the call. Whatever it takes, it's worth it. Ephesians five fifteen and 16 says this, actually through 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Look, you have to listen. You have to listen. Why? Because miracles will pass you by. Opportunities don't knock. They pass by. You've got to be watching and listening for them. And every once in a while, the Spirit of God is going to be coming by, and He's not going to. He will pass by. Jesus, throughout His ministry, so many times, He was... He was passing by. He was passing by. Someone had to get. Jesus, I think, in his heart, he, he is in that place. And he's like, I know that this person is here right now. I, he knew that blind Bartimaeus was there. He knew what it was happening in his heart. But he wasn't going to force himself on Bart. Bart had to make the decision to speak up. To speak up. To answer the call. To do something about it. If you don't, God is not going to force his way into your life. Look, this this happens every weekend in this service. There are some of you that you're away from God. and You think think that you've you've got it all together because you're, you're coming to church and you're doing good things. But the truth is you have never surrendered your life to him as your Lord and Savior. And until you do, you are away from God. But I think so many of you are like, you just keep ignoring what the Spirit of God is doing inside of you. You just keep putting it off and saying, well, I can always do it tomorrow. I can always do it next week. Look, the saddest day is when the Holy Spirit stops trying to get your attention. So don't wait. Don't wait. Answer the call now. He's speaking. Jesus, notice me. Don't walk by. Verse 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. In in other translations in the language, uh, this, this is actually him saying, set him apart. Pull him out of where he is and who he's with. Set him apart. Bring him apart from that. Call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. Notice how the crowd changed. Notice how the crowd changed. Not... 10 seconds ago, they're like, shut up, Bart. Be quiet. Then Jesus says, call i They're like, oh, I mean, Bart. We love you, Bart. Cheer up, Bart. Hop on your feet. This is a good day. Yeah. You know what I've noticed? When you answer the call of God in your life, even though the world can't explain it, even though the world may not be able to relate to it, The world will know it. And they respond to it. When you answer the call of God in your life, what happens is He fills you with His Spirit. And when the Spirit of God gets around the world, the world knows it, even though they can't explain what it is. But you won't get that if you don't answer the call. You have to answer the call. And I love the rest of this. Throwing his cloak off, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Jesus. I love the symbol of this. Think about this. Remember, his, his cloak, that coat, his only possession. The only thing that was going to protect him from the elements, the only thing that would bring him any amount of comfort was this coat. Now, blind people, when they have some a possession, and they want to remember where it is, they put it by something. They take care of it. Like, okay, where am I going to put i got to put it by this wall. Okay, it's by this rock, by this wall. So if I can find the rock and the wall, I'll be able to find this again. Because remember, they can't see. But, but it says he threw it off. He doesn't have his miracle yet. But he said, you know what? It changes today. I'm never going back to what made me comfortable. I'm never going back to that thing that gave me this bleak sense of security ever again. I'm never going back to it. In fact, I don't want to find it again, so I'm going to throw it. I don't even if, I don't know what's going to happen, but no matter what happens, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to that thing again. And he didn't have his miracle yet. I must go public with what is privately in my heart. Okay, you can hear this sometimes in our culture right now, and it all sounds kind of politically correct and sensitive and all this, but some people say, you know, um, my, my walk, my relationship with God, it's just something that is very private to me. It's just very private to me. Okay, you're confusing two different words. You're confusing the word personal and private. You can make a personal decision to follow Jesus. It is never supposed to be private. It is always supposed to be public. The only way that you can demonstrate real relationship with any person is you've got to go public with it. Otherwise, it's not even real. I mean, think about it. Over 15 years ago, when I, when I, Ask Cody to marry me. We got engaged. We're in Papua New Guinea. It's a cool scene. Down on the water. Rented out this restaurant all to ourselves. And we would gotten all these shells because we went snorkeling early in the day. And as we're looking at the shelves, there's this clam there. And we're trying to get it open to see if there's anything inside. Finally get it open and the ring's inside. Boom. So I get down on one knee. I say, Cody Gates, not related to Bill Gates. I wish, but not true. Uh, Cody Gates, if you'll let me, I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Will you marry me? Yes! Awesome! Here's the ring. Do you like it? It's beautiful. Put it on. It's awesome. Feels good, right? It's great. Okay, um, I'm going to take that back. Let's put that in a safe place. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, Cody, sweetheart, I want to marry you, and I'm going to be like all the way your husband. Like... We're going to be all the way married. This is going to be awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. All the benefits of marriage. We're going to experience those things. Those are, this is really, really, really going to be cool. But here's the deal. We really want to just kind of keep this private. So, so let's keep it on the DL. I don't want to tell a bunch of people. No, I'm your husband, though. I, I got your back, you know. I got you, babe. But I don't want everyone to know. If you know my wife, She would have just killed me, buried me in the sand and left. Just like, that's it. This guy's a loser. It's the same thing with your relationship with God. Let me give you some advice. Anybody that's married or wants to get married, everybody wants to have at least one good year of marriage before God comes back. All the young people said amen. Uh, but, but, but here's the thing. If you, if you want to strengthen and help protect your marriage, let me give you some advice. Publicly speak well of your spouse as often as you can. As often as you can. Some of you are like, well, I talk about my spouse. Oh, I talk about it. No, no, I'm not talking about Facebook. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about set them up to be champions with the people that are around you. Speak positively about them. It'll It'll protect you. It'll protect your marriage. Anytime, anytime, anytime another woman comes around, they're like, hey, it doesn't matter who they are. I just look for opportunities. They want to come and say hi to me. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, I'm doing well too. Cody and the kids are great. I love my wife. And I'm not saying that every girl that comes and says hi to me has some other intention or whatever, but I'm just telling you, it strengthens my marriage. And it protects it. Guess what? You want your relationship with God to be strengthened? You need to go a little more public with what he's done in your life. And how he's blessed you. And how he's loved you. And how he's encouraged you. Let me give a disclaimer there. Some of you, you talk way too much about what's in your heart. And it may be coming from your heart, but it ain't coming from God. And we don't want to know about all of it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and everything else. And I don't want to get political, but I will say that some of you need to be a little bit less like Trump and a little bit more like Carson and think before you speak. Just think. And some of the things that are happening in your heart, you need to let God kind of work on those and deal with those things before you get all vocal about them, okay? But you've got to be public with your decision follow Jesus so here's the thing he this is what it says in Mark 10 51 what do you want me to do for you Jesus asks. the blind man said rabbi I want to see okay this is the strangest question in the whole thing <laughs> okay I mean imagine the disciples yeah Jesus off his game today like, usually he's really intuitive. He, like, God knows everything that's going on in people's lives. But today, uh uh-uh. uh, he's like that awkward friend that keeps putting his foot in his mouth and asking people silly questions. He's, he's like Peter today. It's a Peterism over here. Jesus doing a Peterism over here. Jesus, he's blind. Blind Bartimaeus. Like, it's in his name. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Jesus wanted to hear from him in faith what he was gonna believe for him to give him. There's a couple things I know about God. God always loves to hear you talk about his dream for your life. And God also loves to hear the faith in you as you declare it, as you speak it. God loves hearing those things from his kids. So this is Bar- Barnabas's public announcement of faith. And guess what? When you tell somebody that you believe or that, that you want them to heal you and give you your sight back, you, you believe that he's gonna do it. He confesses this. What do you want me to do for you? I think God is asking a lot of you the same question. What do you want me to do for you? And not because he doesn't know but because he wants hope to rise up for you to shut down the noise, for you to throw off your comfort, for you to step out in faith, and for you to speak it. This is the dream. This is the vision. This is what God has asked me to do. God loves hearing that from his kids. He loves that. The last thing is this, follow Jesus on the road he travels. Verse 52, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. And Luke, we'll get to it actually in that account. It says that once he was healed, all the people rejoiced. All the people began to praise Jesus. But remember where he was. He was on the roadside. He was on the side of the road. You ever been on the side of the road before? It's a drag. You ever been on the side of the freeway before? Stuck on the side of the freeway? All of us have been on the side of the freeway. Either because of the popo thing or we were pushing the empty gas light (laughs) a little too far or we had a blowout or a breakdown. It is a drag being on the roadside. I'm a competitive person. So every time I I broke down on the side of the road, I was keeping track of everybody I passed. The whole time, if I break down, I start seeing cars. I pass, I pass them twenty. Miles. I'm gonna have to pass them again. Like I don't even care if they're giving me a ticket. Like, I don't care about the ticket. You're letting all these cars pass back by me again. I'm gonna have to pass them all again. It is a drag being on the side of the road, and I think that's where some of us are. We're just on the side of the road. You're not moving. You're not moving. I think it's time to get back on the road. Some of you may feel like you're on the road, but guess what? You're not heading in the same direction as Jesus. Let me tell you where that'll end you. On the side of the road. Stuck on the side of the road. Let's get on the road with Jesus. Let's give him a chance to. He's got to start with you believing that he is your hope. He's everything you need. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today, I'm just going to say this in a very general sense but you know you're you're away from god you're just, you know you're away from god you know you are you try to convince yourself and you try to ignore it by coming to church or doing works but, but at the end of the day your heart you know your heart's not where it needs to be and if you're in that place i want to give you a chance let hope rise up take a step of faith The step of faith that I'm asking you to take, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but if that's you, you know you're away from God, and you need to come to him today. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up as your step of faith right now all over this room so we can pray together. Got it, thanks. As soon as I see you, you can put your hand down. Got it, yes, sir. Anybody else? Yeah, yes, yes. Anybody else? They're at the back. Thanks, guys. Thanks, got you. Praise God. Anybody else? I'm away from God. I need him. Got it. Anybody else? Make sure I see you. Anybody else? I don't want to ignore this. I'm going to step out. Okay. All right. Every person that just raised your hand. Now, right now. You can make a personal decision, and you, and you can even be private about it right now. But at some point, you need to go public with this decision. The best way to do that is water baptism. We actually have water baptism next week, or, or, or right after Easter, we're going to have another baptism service. But but you need to, you got to go public with this decision. But right there in your seat, you just have a simple but honest conversation with God. You just say, God, here's my life, and I know that I've sinned, and I know my sin separates me from you. God, I, I'm sorry. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. You rose again right now. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I want you to have complete control of my life. And in that, I thank you for saving me from my sin, for saving me from myself. Help me to understand your love, your plan, your purpose, your dream. Help me to follow after it. According to your word, the leading of your spirit, the encouragement of the body of Christ. I want to live for you. Be my Lord and Savior. Be my best friend. God, for all of us, I just, I just pray in Jesus' name that that dream that's inside of every one of us, God, if it started to, to dwindle, if it started to go to sleep, I pray that it would wake up in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would sense your spirit moving and that we wouldn't let him pass by but that we would stand up and that we would do something. We would seize the opportunity and that we would in desperation and in humility call out and cry out for you, Jesus, to come and meet with us and give us back our vision. Give us back the dream. We thank you for that, God. Thank you for being faithful with us this morning. You're so good in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. We had a bunch of people getting right with Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're gonna continue to worship God with our giving. If you're visiting with us, don't worry about it. Don't need to feel any pressure to give, but I just wanna share this thought. This is this is actually in the reading. I think it's either today or maybe tomorrow, but in, uh, in Mark chapter 12, verse 41, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were being put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple, treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling to his disciples, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, she gave out of her poverty, but put in everything. All she had to live on my prayer for myself and for us as a church that we would have that kind of heart at the end of the day God doesn't care how much or how little you give he cares about the heart that you give it with what I love about this is Jesus it doesn't have any information that Jesus went to the lady and said hey I want you to know I saw that and I'm really proud of you and he doesn't say anything about that but guess what we're reading about it 2,000 years later so here's a question I have for you What's the story that God is writing about you in your life, and your heart, to trust him with everything? Are we the type of people and the type of church that God is in heaven, he's like, hey, Jesus, Michael, Gabriel, come here. You see that community down there? Little Cabot, Arkansas. You see that church? They give like I'm actually God. (laughs) They give like they really realize that everything they have came from me and I'm going to bless them and I'm going to use them and I'm going to show the whole world through them my glory man I'm thankful that we're becoming that church we've been praying that God would make his people of supernatural generosity I'm thankful that he's doing it amen let's pray together Lord we love to give we're thankful we know that we can't outgive you we know everything we have is already yours. But in obedience, God, we we'll bring our tithe, but we don't want to be constrained by a word that is tithe. Or some of us feel like, well, I, just, I don't have enough to tithe right now. Or some of us feel like, oh, I, I tithe. That's all I need to do. We thank you, Jesus, that on the cross, you set us free from those types of thoughts and feelings so that we can experience everything that you have for us. So if this is another area where your spirit is speaking, we're not going to let it pass by. We're going to be obedient. Trusting you. Use it for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.